0: Coming to you live from atop the Golden Rod City Radio Tower. It's the one, the only, Puckle TCG Cast!
2: And welcome to the 22nd episode of the Puckle TCG Cast. I am your special host today, Trainer Thatch. Jushiro is on vacation, so I'm filling in for him today. And today I have uh, my awesome co host,
1: Gator. And
2: Heidi Craig. Ah, uh, and so Heidi is uh, is a guest today, and I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit before we begin, just so everybody knows who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: <laughs> um, I'm Heidi Craig. I've been a judge and organizer for probably about 20 years. I've played Pokemon the entire time. I've had some success in the game with placing very high at the first East Coast Super Trainer Showdown, <clears throat> taking second place. I've done well at some nationals along with winning some cities and doing top eights at states. My kids have also found great success in the game. My son was actually a national champ. His last year in seniors, Orion Craig. And Eric Craig was a phenomenal Pokemon player for many years who never really got to first place, but put a lot of decks in the format and did T8 at Worlds once or twice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Not to awesome.
0: mention, she's like the person for Florida Pokemon. Um, she's judged every Worlds but one. Like almost every nationals except for a couple is like the go-to organizer has one of the best reputations online of people for running events and this is you, you want to talk about like penalty guidelines and rules and somebody who's been enriched in the history of Pokemon is Heidi so we're very honored today to have her on the show absolutely uh,
2: so we will we have questions for you later but we're gonna jump into the news first and foremost. And so, uh, let's jump into the news real quick, because there, there are. And on to the news. So, in the news, we've got uh, a variety of things. Uh, so, first up is this Trevenant and Phantop and Sun and Moon 2. Uh, the Phantop isn't
0: anything spectacular, in my opinion. Well, uh, so- see, that's not the fact. The fact of the matter is, with Phantop, it's not spectacular. The Phantop with Ascension's better, yeah. but this Phantop and Trevenant are both Grass type. Yeah, yeah and these are with Grass. Forest first. of Giant Plants mm-hmm. having Phantup means that since Phantup's a Grass type, you can evolve it immediately with Forest of Giant Plants out. Would,
2: would that Would that work even if you 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 know the rules better than I? Uh, if you had if you had Grass
0: Phantop and then you had Psychic Trevenant. Yep, because the um, that the effect is on the. Uh, the grass type base. That's interesting.
2: That's interesting. I don't know if there's any place for that in the meta, but that'd be fun.
0: Well, not right now because I feel like, I feel like structurally speaking, the Ascension Phantop's better because Mm -hmm. you can expand it. You can Jirachi. um, You can Wally. There's a lot of ways to get the turn one item lock. And if you are going second, you can use Ascension, get the item lock. Um, What this is going to be good for is the Vileplume deck because Mm -hmm. uh, Trevenant. um, Yeah, I saw that. That one's a uh, lot of fun. 120. Um, and it's got for a double colorless poltergeist 30 damage times the um, um well first it's 30 times uh, your mm-hmm. opponent yes. deals her hand the attack does 30 damage times the number of trainer cards in your opponent's hand so if you've got them locked with vile plume and they cannot play any item cards you are now hitting their active pokemon for insane amounts of damage just by using this double colorless attack and it's super splashable because it is a DCE, yeah. It's um, also yeah, weak exactly. to fire, times two, yeah. and it's got a retreat cost of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's so, not too bad. Yeah, and this is going to be an SM2, which is going to be released in Japan um, coming up like this week, and it should yeah. be in Guardians Rising on May fifth.
2: Yeah, wait, this one will be in. Oh yeah, it's SM2. I just thought two plus in my head for some
0: reason, but it's not. No. It's, it's two two plus it's two. will be the third set for us. Will be the
2: third set, and then it'll probably be sometime in like August. It'll come out or late July. Uh, so the next one we also have is uh, a couple new cards, a couple new GXs. We have Tapu Fini GX and Darkrai GX as well that were announced. So Tapu Fini uh, GX HP 170, uh, one colorless energy for Aqua Ring for 20 damage, and you can switch with one of your bench Pokemon, which is really cool. Uh, not probably the reason to use this. Um, you have Hydro Shoot for two water, one colorless, hydro, uh, and you discard two water energy attached to this Pokemon and do... 120 damage to one of your opponent's Pokémon. Is it just one? Can you snipe on the bench?
0: Yes. Like that? That's awesome. So with that warning, you'd be able yeah. to snipe off the bench.
2: Yeah. Um, oh but it gosh. doesn't apply awesome. weakness
0: and resistance for bench Pokémon. Yeah. Uh,
2: and then you get Tapu Storm GX for one water, which allows you to shuffle your active Pokémon, your opponent's active Pokémon, and all of the cards attached to it into the deck. Uh, <laughs> if your opponent has no bench Pokémon, this attack fails, so you can't like uh, you can't, can't, can't well not dock them to not, win the game. Yeah. Exactly. That would be broken for one water on a basic. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would be absolutely awful. I mean, I think I think the fast raid Latios is bad enough for donking.
0: Um this one is a water type pokemon and just like the other tapus it has no weakness and resistance. Mm-hmm. So with that 170 HP with no weakness, that's super strong. Yeah. Um I see this going in the water toolbox deck. Oh yeah. As of Aqua Patch, which yeah. we'll discuss in a minute. Yep. Uh the discarding um, the two water energy off this Pokemon is not a big deal at all. Um, and then we have Darkrai GX, which is a dark Pokemon with 180 hit points in a basic, and it has an ability called Resurrection. Once during your turn, before your attack, if this card is in your discard pile, you may play this card to your bench and attach one dark energy from your discard pile to this card. So mm-hmm. you get to resurrect this Pokemon... And in regular Dark Cry, which Speed Dark Cry relies on having Darkness Energy attached, you're also mm-hmm. accelerating your main Dark Cry attacker. Um, for its uh, first attack, Dark Rift, 130 damage is a two Darks and a Colorless, and the attack's damage isn't affected by resistance. Um, Does much so even resist Dark? Um, there's a couple things that resist Dark. There might dark. be there's a couple. Psychics, um, that resist Dark, and I think Dark might resist Dark on a couple things. It dep- yeah, okay. Understandable. And then the GX attack. For two dark and a colorless, dead end GX. If your opponent's active Pokemon is affected by a special condition, that Pokemon is now knocked out. You could pair that with Aeriodos really well. Yeah, you could pair it with Aeriodos. You can pair it with several different things. Mm-hmm. Um, So this Pokemon is weak to fighting and resistant to psychic and the retreat cost of two. Yeah. So this Darkrai GX could see a lot of play in several different things. Rainbow Road uh, would yeah. love to have um uh, definitely make a gardevoir would love to have it mm-hmm. uh, so this pokemon is is doing things Absolutely. Um, and then that leads us to uh water aqua patch right yes, aqua
2: patch, yeah, where you get where it's just dark patch and so you pull a water energy from your discard and put it on your benched pokemon uh on a benched
0: water pokemon that is but that's' so uh, it is, it's just an item it's not a supporter, yeah. Not anything. It is, it is what Dark Patch was, but for Water Pokemon. Yep. So, it's
2: gonna be, it's gonna make Water really
0: good. Uh, so that acceleration, because we were talking smack about Wishy GX. Yeah. Having such a high cost. Mm-hmm. And then now this comes out and it makes you eat your words. Um, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> so good.
2: <laughs> it's, it's a really um, good card. It's gonna, it's gonna def, like, that card, if they just, like, handed that card out as, like, a promo alone,
0: I feel that would just be enough to mess so much stuff up. I mean, a playset of Dark Patches, which is expanded, so it's not necessarily a big deal. Yeah. I ended up paying like 25 bucks for a playset I believe those. that. I believe um, that. So grab your Aqua Patches while you can. This is a guarantee.
1: Yes.
0: Guaranteed this card is going to see play somewhere, and you're going to want to have it in your collection to go. Yes. You're going right. to want a playset. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then another news, news, um, we had the Oceania. Um, I'm saying that so wrong. It, International Oceania? Speakers. Oceania, Oce- the Australian International Championship. <laughs> uh, uh, it was a uh, shout out to Tablemon, one of our favorite YouTubers, who mm-hmm. came in second with Vile Vileplume. And uh, it was won by a fellow named uh, Pedro Torres who played Volcanion. And he played Volcanion because in the top eight, there was, let me count, one, two, three, four, five Decidueye Yeah, Decidueye is seeing so much play right now. It, it was insane. Well, one of them was not Decidueye Vileplume. Decidueye Lugia Mewtwo. Which, still <laughs> no, Decidueye. Decidueye in general is just getting a lot of play right now. I mean, there, so I, I've scary. seen
2: a couple sets uh, with Yanmega uh, with Break attached to it as well. I mean,
0: I don't think that's nearly as good as Vileplume, but... No. Um, uh, Decidueye's attacking partners, you usually like something like Tauros mm-hmm. or lugia uh, Yeah, that's um, super easy. Double color, yeah. exactly. Um Usually what you do is you'll put Tauros out front. And mm-hmm. then you'll uh snipe damage with the uh Decidueye, and then yeah, nobody exactly. wants to hit your tauros because mm-hmm. of the, rage of r- like uh, oh well you're you're setting yourself up for a knockout if you hit exactly. my tauros.
2: exactly it's um, it's absolutely awful
0: um, and uh <laughs> it was also saw play in Sheffield and uh even an expanded um mm-hmm. Decidueye and Vileplume are making appearances. So that's another deck to look out for.
2: Yeah, that was uh, just something you could tell right from the beginning when you just I mean it is a it is a three stage, but it gets forced to the
0: giant plants. And I mean it's it's a it's uh it was just something you could see coming. Listen, the best play to, way to play Pokemon is to not let your opponent play Pokemon. So yeah, exactly. lock them out with items and yep. <laughs> making sure they can't attack you, best way to yep. win.
2: Yep, exactly. That's how you play <laughs> and win. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, yeah, grass is doing so well right now. Just with that, you can you can even run some of those decks with like no energy. It's nuts.
0: Yeah, it's. I think I'm running three grass and four DCE in my. Decidueye. Yeah,
2: yeah it takes like no energy. Those cards are expensive right now
0: too. There's like twelve bucks for a Decidueye GX. Uh, even more, I think. Uh, last I checked, it was uh fifteen. I so bought. They, they...
2: Yeah, I, I was checking. I, I guess I bought cards last right
0: before Oceania, so uh it really just depends because and they're gonna get tens though so they're coming out in tens so don't be too worried um but if you do want uh and i go ahead and get your tauruses now because taurus is like five Mm -hmm. bucks but it should go up eventually yeah Uh, and lugia is 10 bucks and you want that in the deck as well so Mm -hmm. um and usually three shamans. lugia is
2: getting uh lugia is getting um uh legendary battle deck
0: yeah it's so is ho in may yeah in ho
2: but the lugia is better uh,
0: yeah, Lugia's better Ho-Oh, <laughs> you're only really seeing playing Expanded and Rainbow <laughs> Road or Dark War. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. But yeah, that about does it for regular news. And then in yes. Puckle News, we are organizing our tournament. We are setting yes. out feelers for that. Um, so stay tuned and listen. I should have more details for the next TCG cast. Mm-hmm. And you can see how you can get started playing. Um, we're going to do a standard best of three style tournament. And we'll do it uh, Swiss style. Um, so even if you lose your first round you're not necessarily out of the tournament Uh, Mm -hmm. but like I said come back in next week or week after next for more details absolutely and PuckleCon should be almost figured out by then as well Uh, (laughs) so uh, that's it for the news
2: so we're going to go to the topical beach and just hang out on the beach
1: welcome to topical beach
2: and on to the topical beach. So, I, that, is that how he says it? That's how I say it. Uh, <laughs> say however you want. It's, it's <laughs> excitable. Yeah, we've got Heidi Craig here, and she's got some awesome stories she was telling us before the show as well. So I, I am super excited to go into this. She already told us who she is and what she did. Um, so I have a few questions, and Gator, feel free to like interrupt as often as you like because <clears> that's <throat> our relationship. Uh, that's so, so, so I just first and foremost,
1: how did you get into the TCG? Like. I'm really interested in this. Okay. So my ex-husband was a magic player. And I wouldn't let my kids play magic because I didn't like the dark cards for my kids. Yeah. And he was big time into magic. And when they released Pokemon, the next-door neighbor's kid came down with it, and he thought that would be great for them Mm -hmm. to get into Pokemon. Now, I was not a trading card game player. I thought that was only for geeks. Yeah. So he goes to the store, gets them some theme decks, comes home, promptly goes to bed. Kids mm-hmm. are whining. I want to learn how to play. So I read the rule book, decided to teach them how to play. I was hooked. The next day I spent $200 on booster packs and I've played ever <laughs> since. And I believe that was <laughs> about a month and a half before Jungle was released. Okay. That found so that's really early. That's at. like right at the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. When we pulled a Charizard, we thought we were on top of the world. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, like I know. Else, that was, yeah.
2: the-, <laughs> <And> that was <laughs> the card to have.
1: And it was really hard to get packs back then. Mm-hmm. Really, really hard to get packs. Like, seldom ever could you find packs. And then when you would find them, some stores would charge you ten dollars a pack. Oh wow! So you were constantly driving everywhere just trying to get your hands on some packs. Oh wow, that is that is really intense. <laughs> yeah, it no, was. I, we would drive really
2: everywhere weird. and stand
1: yeah. in line for hours just trying to get booster packs.
2: Oh my gosh!
1: They just couldn't keep them in stock because no. yeah, I mean, it was the it was, it was the craze. mm-hmm and They didn't. They didn't see that one coming, I don't think. But there was no. this really good store in Orlando you could wait in line for and get really regular price checks, then come back here and sell them for ten bucks pack and make a lot <laughs> of gas money back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: man. Okay. Let's see. Um, I have. So you had you you said you uh you played in the Super Trainer tournament in when was that two thousand was that the year am I correct? I
1: believe two thousand and
2: one. All oh, right. So what was that like? Like just getting into it and were were your kids playing,
1: stuff like that? Tell us the story essentially. So to get into the super trainer showdown, you had to go to these different tours at malls and get a golden ticket for placing <laughs> well enough in the tournament to qualify to play the super trainer yeah. showdown. And I didn't place that well, but my kids did. They got the golden tickets. So by default, I got the invite to play the super trainer showdown <laughs> as well, because my kids got the golden tickets. And then so you get these little tickets in the mail that give you the right to play the Super Trainer Showdown. And we were super excited. Just couldn't wait to go to Secaucus, New Jersey to play this. There was such an adventure getting there because our car broke down in South Carolina. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we ended up driving literally straight through after that incident. And I, on no sleep, I started playing the Super Trainer Showdown. Yeah. And, there was, and back then, I wasn't real familiar with who the good players were and who they weren't. So when I managed to make it the top cut, of course everybody wanted to know who's this person named Heidi Craig? We've never heard of her. She's not on Pokey Beach. She's not on these websites. Who is she? And then when I beat Jason Klusinski in top 8, he was my first round in, just everybody went crazy. Cuz or I think it was no, I think I beat Israel in top 8, then I beat Jason in top 4. And everybody yeah. just went crazy cuz Jason Klusinski, everybody knew who Jason was cuz he played so well. Yeah. And then That was really exciting for me anyhow. So and then I went on to take second place to Tom Hanley. So the Super Trainer Showdown back then 483 people was huge for Masters. Yeah. It was a giant gathering. So you thought you just you won like a really, really big tournament. Mm -hmm. Now today's numbers are much larger at nationals. Than that, but back then that was a big deal. That's a small regional now. Like- yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, when Pokemon hit its lull, when you know Wizards of the Coast did everything they could to kill the game, mm-hmm. it took Pokemon now, PUI, which is now transitioned and to the Pokemon International Company, a long time to rebuild those numbers. I remember after Wizards of the Coast killed the game, 89 people out of states was phenomenal numbers. Wow. If you got 89 people out of state tournament, you had one of the bigger tournaments. I remember doing one in Florida, we got 109 players, and we were the biggest tournament almost in the US. We were really up there in numbers after WOTC done what they had done. WOTC stands for Wizards of the Coast, that's how I just referenced them, because I worked (laughs) for them for many years. So they did a really good job because they took out the master's division at the end. Yeah. They just cut them out. And then they did the professor tournaments for the master's division. You were professor. And I took second place in that tournament Mm -hmm. in Seattle, Washington. And they hired babysitters to watch our kids, which was (laughs) super cool (laughs) because the kids would play during the day and we would have to play at night on every night. We would just play so many rounds per night. And they hired these kids to watch our children. They had beanbags and movies, and they could go play tournaments and win packs. So you didn't have to mess with your kids. I just dumped them on these people I didn't even know, didn't care, <laughs> don't kill them. <laughs> and then you just got to play the tournament, which was, I thought that was super classy. I mean, they might have gotten rid And there was a lot of people that came and played the professor tournament. And I believe I played um, Zapdos Clefable, I think, in that tournament when they did the professor one. So that was really neat. I took second place, and that's when we got the custom backpack. You got first editions of all the rares of a couple different sets, four sets of them. And that's where I won the trainer A and B deck that they originally put out in the lead kit with the red bordered card sealed. Oh, wow. wow. And I think Jason klazinski and I did the research, and we believe to this day there are only six complete sets undamaged of trainer A and B deck sealed, and I own one of them. And I won it in that tournament for the professors that's when awesome. I took second place. So that was really cool to get, and uh, those are really unique to have. Uh, not yeah, a lot absolutely. Of have them because mm-hmm. when you started the league in Pokemon, everybody opened up the decks, the cards got damaged. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew where Pokemon was going, so there, it's really rare for someone to have a set of those that we believe to this day. That's we awesome. tried to push the numbers, but we got down to six people we know that have them. That's so crazy. So that's how I won those in that professor tournament. So, and I never <laughs> even played the first place player in that tournament, which was crazy. <laughs> I never even got a chance to play him. I don't know how that worked out. That's when you could ID and it just worked out. I never played the person that played first. So that was a really fun event. But it took mm-hmm. a long time after Watsi cut out the master division for Pokemon to come back. That's when they started the free tournament gimmicks mm-hmm. to try and drive the numbers. That's how free tournaments came to be. Yeah. They tried keeping the entry fee, but attendance just wasn't growing. Mm-hmm. So then they tried to lower the fee. It just wasn't going where they wanted it to go. Then they had to in, then they instituted just hey, everybody plays for free, just trying to resurge and get the um, Pokemon numbers growing again. And I remember when Pokemon was still trying to build up the numbers after Wizards of the Coast did what they did to the game. One of the people in Pokemon said, We knew we were a success when you could Google Pokemon and the first 10 websites weren't porn. So- <laughs> <laughs> And I Uh-oh. thought that was the funniest thing ever because, you know, it was it was true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so crazy. So that was when they decided that they were a success. It was really funny when they said that to me. So growing Pokemon back was a really, really hard task.
0: Would you say that was the closest it's been to like dying out was yeah. after
1: that? Or? When Watsi when got rid of the 15 and up and then it transitioned into PUI, which was what's what it was called at the time, yeah. Pokemon was pretty much dying. I mean... I got 30 people at a pre-release and I was lucky. Wow. So Pokemon was really dying. I was doing most of the state of Florida at that time from Miami to Jacksonville to Orlando to Tampa to everywhere. Just Gainesville just trying to build it up. And it was just dying. But when they instituted the free tournaments, then things started to slowly grow. But it took years to recover from that. Years wow. to recover from what they did. Because a lot of people were very salty that they got rid of the division. And it just—I well, yeah. would
0: be too if I was a master. Yeah, it's like, exactly. oh, well, we don't really want you playing Pokemon anymore. So
1: yeah, <laughs> and the watching <laughs> you grow up, you play Pokemon, and you grow up and play Magic. So they saw Pokemon as just a way to feed people to Magic. That's all they yeah. saw Pokemon was because Magic was their game. They owned it. They created. it. That's where their money was. Mm-hmm. And then so when Pokemon got the rights back in the beginning, they just—the first tournament they ever gave us—it was uh, DS and card game combined. The first first tournament they gave us, the first rounds were Pokemon card game, and then the last three rounds were DS games. Why would you do that? (laughs) Because they thought they would combine them, and it would be more fun for everybody if they just combined them. So you showed up to play this tournament. Your first rounds were trading card. Then you had to switch to DS, so you had to do both. And people didn't really like that idea. They weren't real keen on that. I'd still like to try it though. I do
2: like – Well, they, they did that there. at Nationals this past year during we'll the side events. Because you had, well, to, do po-
1: poc- you had to do poking at the same time. But they did something similar. But back then, there wasn't a lot of crossover for TCG players that were competitive VGC players no, at all. I, yeah, absolutely PCG not. Yeah. You just played the TCG – and it, I mean the VGC and it was really hard to get IVs. And you had to put a lot of time into the game. Mm-hmm now it's a little bit easier to get the ivs and stuff so that well fourth it wasn't until fourth gen
0: that it made it like clear on how to do it because back in yeah. third gen, you were it was that they, they didn't even have the you were blind
1: yet like yeah it, it, you yeah. had a lot of research online i believe orion back in the day had almost 500 hours in a ds game trying to do ev training and figure it out and yeah. EV in pokemon it was ridiculous back in the day compared to what it is oh, now but i'm aware <laughs> That was the first tournament they gave us, and it was not well-received by the TCG players at all. They didn't want to play the VG proportion, so they kicked that idea right to the curb, and they're like, okay, never again on this one. But it had really cool prizes. We won a $200 gift certificate to, to the Pokemon Center. Ooh. That's so, and really, think, oh, back when it existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's when – um I think Eric came in second or third place for the 200 or Maybe it was first. I can't remember, but Yeah. And we we got some really cool stuff from there. Yeah, when that back they had some really nice stuff in that store. So but yeah, that was their first run at a tournament and that didn't go so well. And then soon after that, um we we had more of an influence. They took the regular PTOs who'd been doing it for years mm-hmm. and said, What do we need to do to find success? So I actually helped Pokemon in the beginning lay out their PT pro, PTO program with Susan Shide, the person in charge. Deciding awesome. how things would run, how we would get paid, when we would run tournaments and things like that. So I had a lot of input on that in the very base at the beginning when they decided to start running mm-hmm. tournaments. And then developing the penalty guidelines and how to just run tournaments in general, how to make them flow, and what you needed to do and what needed to happen. I mean, their first Worlds they ran was really not yeah. – their first Nationals they ran – was was just they just came and got me out of a game and said we need you now. <laughs> and i was playing in it, and they're like, we just need you now. You just um they just took me out of my game, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I wasn't playing nationals anymore. I was just done. It, was, <laughs> it did not run well at all. In their first worlds, I actually stepped in and saved them, and I was like, look guys, this is how. And I ended up staying up most of the night trying to restructure worlds and how it was going to run for them and then work mm-hmm. the next day to bail them out. So they didn't really have a good concept of how to run the tournaments. So in yeah. the beginning, it was kind of a little bit more difficult because they were coming from ground zero. Though everybody came from gaming companies, the actual running of big tournaments, there wasn't a lot of experience because people didn't run big tournaments back then. Yeah. So there were some, there was some uh, growing problems in there. Would now, you say it's better
2: now? Oh, you're
1: I, going on. <laughs> I think overall, the running of the tournaments is getting much better. On, on occasion, like at Worlds this year, you run into a couple snafus with logistics. Don't mm-hmm. work out the way they did. Like we had a line three blocks down the road with everybody trying to sign in and register. But it's just there's so many people trying to register at once. But I think overall, they've improved the actual running. The one thing I think they've improved the most over time is hiring more staff to be able to mm-hmm. handle the situations. And to be there, and the volunteers taking on a lot more volunteers. Back in the day, I don't feel like we really had a lot. I mean, I look at the first World's picture, and there was 12 of us in it, maybe 15 of us in it. It was really, really a tiny little staff. So I think overall they've hired a lot more people, and they try to focus on knowledge, people who are really involved with the game and run a lot of tournaments. Sometimes I think the judging could be a little better.
0: Mm -hmm. I think... It's, you're gonna run into that though because it's it's mostly volunteers and then the people that are bigger at the higher level, you know, they come in, they have their own style, they have their own way of doing it. And now yeah. they're you've got people that are used to being chief and now they're being told what to do, and <laughs> yeah. I, that's pretty <laughs> um, ego involved. And
1: it, it gets that way sometimes. It does. It does get that way sometimes. But that's you know you that's where you really get to adopt the attitude i'm part of a team and i'm not here for me and like i kind of have to sometimes check myself at the door and go well i wouldn't do it that way yes. but, uh, <laughs> and then sometimes i don't check myself at the door and go have you thought about this <laughs> and then just kind of do it and just kind of take it over and go this is how i would Blah blah, blah, blah. And like yeah you just do that
0: <laughs> for those yeah. listening at home i'm sitting here with heidi and she is so much of a pokemon fanatic you have no idea she is playing Pokemon Go as we sit here and have this
1: kind of tapes I am only a little over a million shy of level 40, folks. I will oh, get that's, there. In like that's two weeks. really high. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. so much Pokemon. I'm looking at an Ambipom hanging off the wall, um, and then she has a special like the Pokemon room which we mentioned that's just Yes. It's full of Pokemon stuff. She has a room that's all full of TCG stuff. Like Heidi's mm-hmm. the real deal when it comes to this. I go, I met Heidi through her league um, that she runs locally. So I was fortunate enough to be local and mm-hmm. end up making friends with Heidi. So um, it's I, having played in the tournaments that she runs versus playing in other tournaments. She is so easygoing. It's, it's great to have somebody that knows what they're doing. Like, yeah, you, you, there's no like waiting around for answers. Like you end up getting, there's no like waffling on things. It's, this is what it is. This is how it is. Fix the game state. Go. Yeah. So, it's you definitely experience tells when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: <laughs> Let's see. And she already answered some of my questions. I fault Pokemon for at this point with their new tournament structure, with states and battle roads going away and League Cups becoming store based, which I do run League Cups for some stores, mm-hmm. is it's hard to train good judges now. Where before we had a lot of opportunity to work with judges and train judges, and they had a lot Mm -hmm. of exposure to you for you to really teach them, I feel like their new tournament structure is really hindering that process, and the judging overall is becoming somewhat weaker in the game. Because I used to, at any given point, be training like five people, just giving them all the information I could get into their head every time they worked with me, because they had... We used to run eight. I used to run the battle roads every Saturday and Sunday for a month straight. So they had eight tournaments to come get the exposure. Then I used to run twelve cities. Then mm-hmm. you had the states. Then you had the regionals. So they had so many opportunities to come and judge and really learn stuff. But now that shops are doing it, they're just hiring whoever's there. They think they got it, but they don't. Mm-hmm. I really feel like the new tournament structure. It's the one thing I just don't like about the tournament structure is the opportunity to train and work with people to teach them how to become good judges i think that's really becoming challenging at this point it's where people are having to figure it out on their own some of them do some of them don't and it's not easy to figure it out on your own mm-hmm. it becoming a good judge you really need a good mentor i feel and i've always felt that way yeah so that's part of the problem i have with the new structure
0: let's see yeah that's the thing too because like you have more frequently challenges that you could have but mm-hmm. nobody wants show up to a league challenge because it's not worth the points. You're not getting the CP need to advance. You know, you're trying to go to the regionals and like get your couple league cups and that's it. Mm -hmm. So
1: not only that, but then when it comes around to the league cups, a lot of people don't even hire staff because they're so small. Yeah. There's not an opportunity to train at them either. And a lot that arises to fix and just the organization. What do I do when I get there? How does the deck check flow? How does the in between round stuff flow? how how does one thing flow to the next to keep the tournament moving? Mm -hmm. So when they do get to the bigger ones, they get what the system is, and then they get the exposure to how to rewind game states, how you deal with troublesome parents who are upset about something (laughs) that got done, which is the very most fun part of the game. Um, You know, that takes a lot of skill because parents are real protective of their children, so when they're in your phase you've really got to learn how to handle them, to calm them down and get them to understand what occurred. So what's worse crying juniors or crying masters? Yes. I, think, you- I think that's a good question. <laughs> you know, what's crying masters uh, you know? <laughs> oh, no, because juniors. It's so fun when they do, it's not fun, when, but when they're crying, it's so, I just have this knack to go up and talk to them. And by the end, you can make them just be laughing and having a good time—that's a and good they judge. Forget about it. But the masters, oh my gosh, three weeks later they're still on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> I think still shedding it. So it's it's a little bit easier to console the juniors, I feel, and get them smiling and happy, and turn the situation into a positive thing than with the masters. The masters just have a tendency to stay kind of salty. Yeah, <laughs> there,
0: there, if there's a place to start a salt mine anywhere, it's
1: at a Pokemon tournament.
0: Um, I've seen that in person more than once. Yeah. I can believe it, yeah.
1: It it breaks my heart when the juniors cry, but it's really fun by the end to have them laughing and in a good mood and just happy to be there. So <laughs> I usually get really good positive results from a crying junior. From a crying master. I'm just walking away. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fixing that. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, there really isn't. You you mentioned it. You mentioned it a little bit before. We talked about it before the show. Uh, what is your opinion on TPCI? I think a lot of people in the community have this question. They're being absolutely awful at announcing event dates this year, and I think I hope maybe you can shed some light on that.
1: I know there's a lot that goes into it when you plan big events. You have to do it quite a ways out. And I just sometimes think I'm not even sure because they don't really share a lot with us when it comes to this stuff Mm -hmm. that I don't know that they plan way enough out. And -hmm. it seems like they're always just trying to find the next venue and a crunch because when you're talking about mass crowds of people to put them somewhere, there are venues. Sometimes you have to book two to three years in advance to get those kind of numbers and to get that kind of space on the weekends that you specifically want because – they're very specific in their weekends because they've got to think about international players when it comes to events. They've got to think about American players. They're trying to figure out schools, people that can work. Because overseas, it's very serious when you miss school. Mm-hmm. It's not as lax as the U.S. So they've got to put a lot of thought into these weekends. And since they want specific weekends for big events, they just need to get more ahead of the game, I feel, be two, three years out. And they might be, but it doesn't feel that way.
0: Well, it's hard, too, because I think, like, this year specifically with Worlds, yeah. you had the Pokemon Go phenomenon that you know nobody anticipated it being this huge thing. And you had so many people come back into the game, and then they booked this mm-hmm. small venue, like you said, two or three years out. What are they supposed to do when three times the number of people show up at the door?
1: And that's capping the event because nationals last year, I think people were trying to buy seats for $300 The people that had seats in the event wow, and trade out some, I know know for a fact someone paid a lot of money for a seat in nationals. (laughs) So, and there's only so many you can honestly have at an event when you, when it comes down to just logistics and planning out a staff that far in advance, there's really a lot that goes into event. I ran a regionals and I think my regionals maybe had 500 TCG players 300 about about ish a little bit less than 300 VG players. I could easily say that I worked on that event for seven days a week, every weekend, from morning till night. I guess I mean I probably had 200 300 hours in that event before I even walked in the door. Wow! Just um, all you think that all the things that go into it, the planning of the staff, the gathering of the items, the supplies. It's a lot of work to do the big events. It is. A little bit disappointing in how they don't announce things in a timely manner to really make your plans and how late they inform players that had Mm -hmm. even earned stipends to Australia. They were just it was coming down to all the events in two weeks and I have nothing. So I don't understand where the problems are coming in. I do feel like they're reshifting their departments, trying to hire more people, trying to get it more organized and start. Where one person maybe did several things that's gotten so big at this point, they're having to break it out into different positions and bring different people on. But it's really hard to catch those people up to speed and understand how the whole system works. And I think that lags them a little bit in that area.
0: Do they ever solicit the uh, more you know, you've got you've got PTOs, which you mentioned before, premier tournament organizers, which are not a thing anymore. You don't get to become that. Um, I believe no. you've mentioned it to me. But I'm still – all of us are you still st- grandfathered still, in. Yeah, inter- I grand- still have that title. You're still grandfathered in. So like <laughs> yes. the PTOs, the, the, the uh, regional runners, do they solicit you guys for feedback at all? Do they come to you and ask, you know, hey, what could we do better? Yes.
1: When every nationals and worlds that they run, they start a feed because we have a special feed on the TCG website under our account. And they go, the good, the bad, the ugly. What did you like? What did you didn't like? Where could we improve? Um, what did you see the problems were to this event? and then you get to put a lot of feedback in that way? And then, if you've really stumbled upon a good idea, they'll actually email you and ask you further questions. Well, can you give us a better and an interesting story was that I started a deck check team at my regionals, and I had put Miranda in charge of it,
0: Miranda it just, your daughter
1: she, Yeah, my daughter Miranda Craig, who's played Pokemon and she's I should mention mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. done pretty good in it since I brought the other two kids <laughs> um, I, I just Put her in charge of this deck check team, gave her a list of things I wanted to accomplish to get rid of that headache and have someone in charge of it. And it changed the dynamic of the event. I went to Pokemon. I said, this is an awesome idea. You need just – it used to be they'd pull decks and any judge available would just go over there and check them and be pulled off the floor. I said, no, 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 no. And I just kept hounding Pokemon. You need a deck check team. And then finally, Pete said, fine. You bring Miranda at her own – at your expense. You have her run this team and show us how it goes and what this does. At the end of Nationals, Pete's like, we will have a deck check team forever. That was <laughs> – and my daughter actually is in charge to their deck check team to this day for Nationals and World. That's awesome. But it, I convinced them. And so they're, they are open ideas, but they didn't get what a deck check team really meant. And I brought her, told them what – told she told them what she needed. They gave it to her, and they were like, you are right. It just changed the dynamic of the event. There's just people there in charge of it understand what's going on, pulling the list, getting it organized. And it just took a lot of headache off of the judges who were getting pulled off the floor. Then we weren't there to make the ruling. So they do learn things and take ideas from people. That's just one example. There are other people that have brought things to the table besides me. I don't want to feel like I'm the only one that brought a table, an idea to the table, but they've adopted it ever since. And it's made a Uh, It's made a big difference.
0: I'd like to clarify for our newer listeners that deck checks are – a certain amount of deck checks are required between rounds. Mm -hmm. So having to get these done, that slows up everything else because you can't start the next round until the decks are checked because you have to have the players with the decks in their hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, So being able to speed that up – because I can tell you from experience, in between rounds of tournaments, it can take forever or it Mm -hmm. can be like that. So – that's that's pretty significant that they implemented that because you gave them feedback so that uh, it makes me feel better to know that they are at least listening and soliciting to people that know what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, they do. They really try to take something to heart if you're you're trying to explain it to them. I did have to bring Miranda there and then <laughs> she took the staff support for the weekend. And, and you know, and it was really cool to do that. So now it's just the thing that they've adopted. Mm-hmm. And it makes the tournaments better. So they do listen to experienced people when they come up with good ideas. That's I, awesome. I believe so.
2: All right. Uh, so uh, you've been judging for a long time. Uh, what's been your favorite part of just being a judge in these past however many
1: years? My favorite part about judging, which caters to my personality, is teaching other people how to be good judges, giving them the knowledge, and helping them be better at judging. I've always just enjoyed teaching people how to do things. That's one of my more favorite parts. My favorite part of being an organizer is I always felt like that I provide families with an opportunity to come have fun with their children and have a great time and just getting to know them. And that was always my way of kind of just giving something back to the world that hopefully influenced their lives in a more positive way to give them something to do. I've always just believed in that concept and still to to this day. And it's really incredible how long I've known some of these kids. They, I knew them when they were eight nine and now they're in their 20s so i think that's my favorite part of being an organizer is just seeing the families come together having a great time and the young kids coming together having fun and forging these friendships and it's all because of a game yeah i I feel like i can relate a lot to that but (laughs) i mean i've met some of the most phenomenal people in this game of my life and my mom and my sister constantly made fun of me because i played pokemon for years And then I begged them a couple, three years ago, come to one regionals and you'll get it. And my my mom and my sister are hooked. They love Pokemon. They're like, we get (laughs) it now. And they have made Facebook friends with players. And when they show up to events, people are hugging them and talking to them. And they're like, we finally get Pokemon after all these years. It's about the people. And the game is just something that happens. And that's how I've always seen Pokemon. Like I told people, I'd have left Pokemon a long time ago if it was just for the guard game. I stayed because the people are some of the most Mm -hmm. fascinating people you'll meet and where a lot of my great friends have come from. That's awesome. It is. Um, That is, yeah, no, I I understand completely. Like just doing this show,
2: same exact thing. Uh, (laughs) um, Let's see. What else do I have? Um, What do you think of the current like TCG community? Is is it better or worse than it used to be or just, just in the players? Have you noticed any toxicity or anything?
1: I, have, I feel like with all the money they're now putting on the line at the bigger mm. events, it's gotten a little more rules lawyering. I really, I really f- have the feeling it's gotten a lot more rules lawyering where they're calling judges for simple things, trying to get those penalties, mm. trying to get those prize penalties, trying to push themselves over the edge. And one small thing is becoming this giant ordeal of what ifs questions and where before, when there wasn't so much money on the line, I don't feel like that was as much of an issue as it is becoming. And then I feel like it's attracting more players, where they're in it just for the money that they weren't previous Pokemon players, they're coming into this community as a way to just try and make the money from other gaming, where Pokemon's always just been this more fun, we support you kind of community, we're going to help you be better players, we're going to you know, we'll let you do take backs. And I feel like now it's becoming a little bit different because of the big money they've put up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, but there are still always going to be those great players. And there's only going to be, I guess, with the sheer numbers and the number of rounds you play by sheer volume, you're only going to hit those people, maybe one or two rounds out of the nine you play. And then if you make top cut, so you're not going to get a lot of exposure to it but i feel like there's a lot more of it going on and then there's a lot of pressure with limited amount of tournaments to get to worlds and emotions are getting really high at a league cup you know they're getting, <laughs> they're, they're really getting a lot of emotion at a league cup because they're just so desperate for these points because they're so hard to get you consistently have to travel to a lot of regionals and a decent amount of league cups just to even have a shot. But you do you have to travel to them. You have to perform at them mm-hmm. in a very high place. So I really feel like there's a lot of pressure now, too. And that's really starting to affect players and realizing how difficult this task is becoming and how expensive it's becoming to mm-hmm. keep up with it along with getting the cards.
0: Yeah, because it's not just the cards anymore. Now you need a plane ticket every other weekend and with the CP requirements, if you don't place, then that's another regional you have to afford to fly to. And the fact of the matter is there's only a handful of regionals um, mm-hmm. at this point in time. Because they did talk about doing the special events. They wanted to, like, offer special events where you can get yep. CP, but they're just not showing up yet. So I am um, I was in the same boat. Like, I started the season, I was like, maybe I'll try this. But then seeing what was required and seeing how, how tough Florida is, <sighs> just the, the caliber of players in this area – is way too high for me. There's way too many names I see at the top eight, top 32 and all these regionals that I would have to, that I faced <laughs> in the last league Cup we were at. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's always been Florida's reputation. When we used to we always had these giant groups back in the day that traveled to the states because we could drive to them. Florida has always been a state of good caliber players. We would drive to a lot of events and Florida would take a lot of the top spots. I mean the Sable Houses were originally Florida players that left and they would take a lot of the top slots when they were down here too but Florida's always been a very challenging state with a high concentration of good players. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know. maybe it's just the the competition breeding it because I know you got Grafton Roll mm-hmm. here, Jose Marrero, Raul Reddy, um Safraz, Michael Canavis who Michael, and, Canavis. Oh, Michael Canavis who's good uh there's a lot of people down here that still play well. You've always, now you've got Miranda, who's been doing really well, too. The last couple of events, she's made top four and one. So you've got her now, Miranda Craig, making her way back onto the Pokemon scene. <laughs> too <laughs> many people to deal it. Let's, let's
0: hope Orion stays busy with his job so we don't
1: get too. <laughs> yeah, has been dabbling in it, but he just shows up with a deck that someone built for him. But there are just a really – a very, very high concentration of players that come on. Um, is that plays well consistently where they go. I think a lot of them have joined the ARG team too. Yeah, mm. some of them are on Team ARG. Uh, the meta deck you see, the meta
0: deck's based out of Central Florida. Yeah. Um, Chaos Gym's based out of Central Florida. Um, it's just so many well, people. Well, you've got the
1: Miami people too, Daniel Altavilla down there, who's really good. You've got a couple people, Justin Sanchez, who used to play a lot, who was really good. So you've got a, you've got a huge group in Miami that just come out of nowhere that are really good as well. That's oh. I mean, it's the Florida toughness, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like,
0: I mean, I appreciate it. It makes me a better player. But, I, again, I kind of wish we were in a softer area, you know, if this was more West Coast. And you could get a break every ride. now and again. Yeah. No <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> chance of topping. You just need to bring a lot of food that has some contaminant in it. So by round two, they're all sick. Hey, at the last League Cup, I was
0: at the table next to Grafton, so I was happy. Like, (laughs) I was working with Greninja, so it happens.
1: It does. It does. Mm -hmm. Well, when we traveled with them, I went to Alabama, and I made top eight in Alabama states when we traveled there with them. And I was the only one in Florida that actually made top eight and misplayed myself into a loss. I I, I played Trevenant and let him play two supporters a turn, which didn't really go well for me I No, was like, you can't I you generally lose do the that. night march I don't lose the night march two supporters per turn so yeah Florida is a tough state and there's a <laughs> lot of good players that used to play back in the day to just come out of the woodwork that mm-hmm. haven't played forever and just start doing well again
0: see I think that's that's there's an innate skill to Pokemon like I think that that's mm-hmm. something you can learn so even as the sets change and things like that and it evolves as a game you still have these basic skills that you need as a player and that's something we try to talk about on the show a lot is that Mm -hmm. nailing your basics and understanding how the game's played how the game works then you can once you know how to play the game you can pick up other decks and do well with them and continue to perform Mm -hmm. Um, which leads me to one of my questions is since you've played through pretty much every set what has
1: been your favorite format or set to have games playing out of like oh the favorite format Oh, my gosh. I would have to say that the favorite format we had was back in the day when Blastoise CX was an evolution with the Lugie (laughs) X. That was a really, really fun (laughs) format. And then, of course, when we got schooled at Worlds by Team Aqua Magma, that was the fun deck, but none of us knew it existed until the Japanese put us in our place. But I think that was my favorite time was when the Blastoise CX and the Lugie X with the Steelix. There was just a wide, good, solid variety of decks that were just great to play. The S era was fun, though I guess Luxray and Garchomp annoyed a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, Luxchomp was <laughs> it it just a ruled, nasty deck to come it across. It just ruled it. But I think back then, that there was a lot of good solid decks in the format you could really play and do well with. I really like that format. I'm a big fan of Blastoise, because he's my favorite one, and you could play him in a deck. So that, <laughs> that was really great for me. But yeah, I think that was my favorite time. And that was... That was years and years ago. That was near the beginning. I think that's still one of my more favorite fun formats. It's always fun to go back and play the old... Sometimes go play the old... How much cheaper
0: was it back then, too? Because I imagine now you need a playset of Shaman, which
1: is going to run you, you know, 160 bucks, and you need... I mean, back then, there were some cards that were expensive, like the EXs, but not, like... I mean, probably 8 to 20, like 20, 25. There was a time when you needed one card... uh, transceiver which was really popular mm. that card got way out of control becoming 20 25 dollars you needed four in every deck Holland <laughs> transceiver um those became quite expensive i mean there were cards here and there that you needed in decks i think i mean just shaming i think is really the only thing out of control right now and i think they should do something other than just reprinting wearing skies to control the cost but mm-hmm. there were kind of cards back in our day that got a little out of hand
0: Okay, so Shaman is still kind of unique, though, in that it's hit, like, the $75 a card mark at one point. Like,
1: <laughs> I'm sure back in the day there was one or two cards that hit a really, well, like really Tropical high like Tropical Beach, I'm sure. Yeah, Tropical, yeah, Tropical Beach Tropical- definitely did. Yeah, Tropical Beach was one, and that was actually a playable card. But there were a couple cards here and there that would hit a high dollar amount. But I don't think you were. it was required in every dollar. Transceiver was, and those got pricey. But, I mean, and people complained about that, but it wasn't quite as bad as Shaman. Like, you could get a playset for 40 bucks, Not, you know, I think... One card for 40 bucks. (laughs) I think Shaman has left a bitter taste in everybody's mouth due to the sheer expense and how useful Mm -hmm. the card is. But there were cards like that back in the day on occasion. And back then, people thought $40 was a lot of money because Pokemon decks were cheap. That was one of Mm -hmm. the lures of Pokemon, I believe, for a lot of people, was the game was really affordable to play versus Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic and how... Quickly, their cards spiraled out of control and cost. Well,
0: as of recently, the most successful, cheapest deck we've had is Greninja. And even then, that was $100 minimum to get mm-hmm. started with that deck. Like, that's not terrible, it's though. It's not terrible, but then every other deck that played Shaman is now a $200 deck. $300 yeah. <laughs> deck. Mega <laughs> Gardevoir, at one point, was a $400 deck. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah
1: and, and that's where you got to become a savvy trader rather than a savvy buyer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Get ahead of the curve, buy the playset set at the beginning of the set. Yeah. Well,
1: no, you just got to get off that eBay, get out of tournaments, and become a savvy trader. <laughs> Everybody just relies too much on eBay. You got to get out there and trade your little heart out, and you can do it. Um, when people were selling shamans for $15 before the set was released, I regret not buying every one of them. <laughs> uh. <laughs> not to sell, just to have.
0: <laughs> exactly. So splashable in every deck. But, I mean, it's just a point I wanted to bring across because we don't get a lot of perspective sometimes on this yeah. set. Um, we have a lot of people that started playing, you know, the earliest players were in heart, gold, soul, silver days, not all the way back to base set. Mm-hmm. So I think it's nice to have some perspective on the
1: cost and the, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I think just, it's been a real recent thing where decks, because of certain particular cards are getting expensive. Back in the day, we had a few cards that were costly, but I don't think anything like you see, I think back in the day, Lugia EX was like a $40 card, but you could only put one or two in a deck maybe. So there were cards that got a little out of hand. Mm-hmm. But not, not. No, I guess besides Transceiver, like it was like four for forty or something that you had to have it in every deck. It was just nice to have it. Well,
0: speaking of you know the internet and eBay and being able to get your cards, have you seen much of a how much impacted like the internet you think have on the different games? Because you go from a format where there's not a lot of net decking. Not a lot of ability to go see what was just played in this tournament. Whereas now you get like real time updates in the tournament and you know what everybody's playing is and you know what down to the list of the card. Do you think that's had any like major impact that you've noticed or a lot of the same,
1: a little less? Well, back then we used to like all our deck lists to be super secret so nobody knew what they were. (laughs) And we were so frustrated if someone would release a deck list. That was just, you just did not do it. If I was an organizer and said I was going to post the top four deck list, I would get so much hate. The one thing that I believe it does do, and this was a a pro Magic player came into Pokemon who really wanted to do well in Pokemon. The one complaint he had was you can't find a good deck online. So if you're trying to start out and be competitive or learn what a competitive deck is and try to figure out how to use it, before this all came to light, there was really no way to do it. not a lot of websites would post it was all super secret. everybody had their own <laughs> their own group they played with, and then you didn't if you associated with one member from a different group and you released a deck, by gosh, you were banned from our group. you were not so I think the net decking part of it does help newer players coming into the game to understand how to build a deck, give them a chance to build it and try to figure out how to use it. And that didn't exist in the world of Pokemon back in the day when we played. You did not release a deck list. If someone at a regionals on your staff copied down a deck list and built it and a player became aware of it, they would call you and complain or email you because decks were super secret. If you wanted to figure them out, you had to play them, try to write it down, memorize it, become their friend, ask them for their list. So from a a pro Magic player that came into the game who actually played on the pro tour, that was his biggest complaint. And of course, he... Immediately took to Eric, and they just had a blast playing. So I think it helps a little bit in that area. It does kind of take a little bit more of the creativity or the element of surprise out of things. Which back in the day, when you mixed with other people from other states, you're playing decks in Florida, and we got to Tennessee one time. And we we're like, Who "The hell plays this stuff?" You know, <laughs> just sitting around going, "Who plays this card?" And they beat us with it. You know, we were like, "How this happened?" We all went home really salty because we drove all <laughs> night to Tennessee. So the net decking kind of takes a little bit of that away. More, I think there was a lot more, to some degree, there was a little bit more creativity by area. Mm-hmm. Everybody in a different area played a different style of deck. But now with net decking, it's becoming across the board. Everybody everywhere kind of plays the same things. But before we had net deck and we, we really did have a variety of decks, you'd show up to nationals. Oh, Eric was so salty one year when he played a tangrowth deck and lost to it in round one. Uh. And of course, the guy never won again. But it just it was so you would so overseas, you would even have more variety. But now with the net deck, and I feel like a lot of decks are just becoming. The same old, same yeah, the old same really, sixty card mm-hmm. list you're playing three times throughout the Everywhere tournament. you go. And that that doesn't seem as much fun as the element of surprise, but then again, I'm not going for a world's invite like the other people. <laughs> and I think it has created a lot of you'll see tournaments where the all the same decks are winning, almost card for card for list.
0: Yeah, it's just like uh we had London Internationals, it was five at mm-hmm. in top eight, and then now you had Australia, there was five deciduous decks in top eight. Mm-hmm. You just people just end up playing the same things. The like same things. this is what wins, this is what we play. So now it's it's really interesting to see online too, because I've noticed a lot of I'm in a lot of Pokemon communities and I see a lot of people discouraging mm-hmm. players from playing different lists and stuff like that because it doesn't match what's meta. It doesn't match like the standard. But back in the day, you could surprise the meta because you're playing something completely different.
1: Yeah, that's what we usually a lot of the times we had our meta decks, but that's where Eric's gifts and talents came in. I swear, the kid just dumped out a binder on the floor, I swear, and just said, oh, I'll build a deck with this. And then <laughs> would build it, and then it would just win, and we're like, how'd you do that? And that, <laughs> I think that's part of it. There's not a lot of – like people do discourage you from playing the meta, but you that's how you find new decks that win. Mm-hmm. I really – most years, Nationals and Worlds every year was won by a deck that really wasn't the meta. For the most part, some deck that came on it – well, this past Nationals, at least a Masters, it was – the Japanese player that won with it. Or yeah, that was know, Worlds that won that I mean, with Nick Odno, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Nationals and Worlds by usual standards, I think there's a couple decks from the meta that, but used to just this deck would come out of nowhere and just went, well, the Whale Lord deck that one Nationals that came out of nowhere. And I don't think they would have exposed that Whale, Whale Lord deck until Worlds, but they didn't have their Worlds invite, so they used it to get to Worlds. So, usually when you look back through time, I mean, there's always going to be meta decks here and there that have won it. But as a whole, there's always this surprise deck that came out of nowhere that nobody saw coming that does exceedingly well, and if not, it cont- continues on to win. So yeah, a lot of people do discourage it, but that's where I think the internet becomes a bad thing. But as far as putting lists out there for newer players, I think it's a valuable asset to them. Mm-hmm. I really think it's a valuable asset.
2: That's awesome.
0: Uh, do you have any more, Gator? I have like one that I want to like cap off with. All right, Um. let me see. What did I have on my list? Oh, I just wanted to touch on briefly, um, so you talked about Miranda playing, you've played. um, There's been a contention in the community and different groups where it's girls in Pokemon, women in Pokemon, and how either are they discouraged, are they encouraged? Like, what is your take as a, like, you know, pretty much queen bee of Pokemon at this point? Like, when it comes to just being there from an originality standpoint, you've done everything, you've you've been a player, an organizer, a judge. What is your take when it comes to women in Pokemon community? Well, I think the men like to encourage them because
1: they're such a rare commodity. <laughs> you, ever see a, you ever see a fairly decent looking girl at a Pokemon event and how many colors are surrounding her? No, I think I <laughs> I think, I think everybody just tries to encourage people. I try to be a little bit more supportive of girls and and try to really encourage them to play because I think there's a place for them in the game and try to cheer them on when they're young and stuff. But no, I think there's a place for girls, but it is predominantly guy involved. But no, I think... I think from the boys, they get a lot of attention when it comes to, I'll help you build your deck and test play with you. So I think the guys are particularly supportive of the women. Well,
0: see, because you get the, the reports I hear are, you know, a, a guy loses to a girl and he's salty and he's like, I can't believe I lost to a girl. You know, it's not him. I can't believe I lost to a better player. It's because I, <laughs> I lost to a girl. Or they feel like they're getting creeped on or like, oh, why aren't you playing a fairy deck? Like these kinds of, this This is the stuff I hear yeah. from feedback from other girls that play. So, I didn't know what your take on it my, was. My
1: take, oh, I, I won't, I won't tolerate that at events if they're being like down on the girls or making fun or making some derogatory mark. I just pick on their egos. What you can't handle losing to a girl who's better than you, so their little egos need to get in check. But I, I think I heard that quite a bit in the day too. But so it just depends on the players. But if in my tournaments, I try to make sure that everybody's just treated fairly. And they should encourage and not be upset. It's a girl. It's just a better player. Mm-hmm. I The one I heard most back in my day was I got beat by a Pokemon. Boy, you should <laughs> Oh, the salt when they would lose to some Pokemon with a deck who beat them and they're a <laughs> pro player and how this happened. And I'm like, well, you should have won. And I was never real supportive of their derogatory remarks to them and, and really just kind of put them in their place. And if They said anything that I thought was offensive, I would just be like, you can either calm down or leave the event now. This is inappropriate behavior. So I'm always listening at my tournaments for people that are saying just inappropriate things in general that could offend people, but I had no tolerance for it. And I would always just sort of snipe at their little egos because I found it really (laughs) (laughs) fun. And then
0: just to follow up to that, just real quick, um, Pokemon community being as inclusive as it is, in your experience judging and regionals and stuff, how do you deal with like special needs players? Like I noticed that some people I've, I've met special needs players as I've played the game. You know, what's been your interaction with that? How open do you think Pokemon is? Do you think it's an inclusive community?
1: Oh, I've had a lot of experience with that and gotten lots of compliments from parents on how well I deal with special needs children. Even Pokemon themselves have recognized me for that. I'm very supportive of special needs. And I've also like talked to players before rounds And I talk to the parents, like, what is your specific child's needs? What triggers them? What doesn't trigger them? What do I need to be aware of here today? And I even had a special needs kid hit me once at an event and just kind of tried to move past it. But I always try to talk to the parents beforehand and try to learn what their child needs what what, to be a success for today and what do I need to really be aware of. And then I'll always try to talk to their opponents before the game to let them know of certain issues and to be very aware of it. Mm I believe there's a really big place over the years I've dealt with a lot of children with a lot of learning disabilities and I really feel like that you have to take the stance and learn about the disabilities and what the disabilities mean to the children and how they how they how they affect kids and that's one thing I've learned through Pokemon is a lot about disabilities and how they affect children and or adults and how to handle them better and through research and talking to parents so my, my thing is yeah there's a place for them And I try to be super supportive of them in absolutely any way I can by talking to the parents and informing their opponents of what needs to happen and just keeping an eye on them. And sometimes I've even just moved them to the front of the room, gave them their own table to just make sure someone was always overseeing the situation so that their day was a success. I think that's a good place for them to be because it's very social. Usually you're around nice people. So I think it's a really good place for people with disabilities to bring their kids.
0: See, I asked that because, you know, personally, I have a a brother who's special needs. And then also, too, we have a lot of parents that listen to the show. We Mm -hmm. have people, we have a very wide audience that comes in. And I think it's important for everyone to hear that, you know, the level of inclusion when it comes to girls, special needs, minorities, that Pokemon is a loving, open community versus a, Mm -hmm. you know, an insular, mean
1: Bitter place. My advice on that is if you're a girl and you're hearing derogatory mean remarks made, address it with the PTO, the person running the event, to ask them to do something that's offensive. But especially if you're a parent of a special needs child, some people aren't as in tune to it. So before the event, to either call the organizer if you have the phone number or the day you get there, arrive at the beginning of registration and be very clear about your child's needs and what the problems are. And is there a way to accommodate? That's really the best way to go about it. I get a lot of calls from special needs parents. I want to bring my child, but what, what can be done? So that's my recommendation. If you have a special needs child and you want to bring them in the Pokemon, talk to the local PTO in the area. And I also recommend you take them to league in the local area to get them used to the players into the smaller tournaments and kind of work your way into it and let the pto become familiar with your child and learn a lot about them so i really believe that's the right avenue is first contacting the the organizers and letting them know and try to give them as much information as you can prior to the event and then introducing them at a low level start with leagues maybe some league cups and kind of work from there up into the bigger event just don't show up at a regionals and here I am. Let's make this work.
0: And I think that, that advice is applicable, too, to just par- parents getting their kids started in general. Right. You know, if, if or you as a regular person. So if you're a 20-something-year-old just getting into the game, there's no problem contacting your local league organizer. There's no problem, like, coming to league and learning. You know, it's one thing to play the Pokemon game online or think about playing it. It's another thing to get involved. But, I, you know... The Organizers are interested, the organizers are engaged, and I think everybody wants everyone else to have a good time because at the end of the day, it's about playing Pokemon. So, oh, yeah, and making yeah. friends, yeah, and making friends, <laughs> yeah, that's why we started Puckle, right? Like, we exactly, were, absolutely Nash had no friends and like Gen 4, which is <laughs> wrong, nobody likes Gen 4.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of important if you're dealing with special needs. I really feel like, in, in general, mm hmm.
0: That's that's what I wanted to hear. I just wanted to make like, <laughs> sure everybody had that message and loud and no, clear. That's a good message. shows what they're talking about. Like.
1: You'd be surprised how many players don't understand that they can talk to the organizer about an issue or appeal rulings to a head judge even though you tell them, and they're afraid to do it. They're afraid they're going to get in trouble, and I hear that so many times. And it's like, no, if you ever have a problem, you, you look so busy. I'm never too busy to talk to you or take the time out to help you with a situation. I'm always going to look busy because there's always something <laughs> yes, to me. do. But I've always stopped, and that's one of the things I think people appreciated at regionals as big as regionals was. I, if they had a problem, they knew that they could come to me, and it, and I would deal with it. And I took it seriously, and I care, and you had you care, and you had concern. I don't think a lot of players realize that you can. They'll go online and whine and complain. But when they were at the event, they didn't say anything for anything to be done differently. So I think that's really important for all players to understand. Mm-hmm. As a player, you need to address the chain of command properly. There is one. And I don't think a lot of players get that.
0: Unless they're going to certain regionals, which we're not going to name yeah. names or point people out or say anything. <laughs> Just if, if you're commu- t- tagged into the Pokemon community, you know which organizers and which events are not.
1: <laughs> right. But then, you know, and then as, as a secondary measure, if you do talk to an organizer and they don't really aren't receptive to it, you know, there's the customer service portal online to write a nice letter to because things will never change if you as players don't play an active role when things are going mm-hmm. right or wrong. And that's just the long and the short. I have so many people that complain about an event and it's like. Did you write anybody to let them know or did you just go online and rant for two hours? They're not, Pokemon's not going to go on your Facebook page, go mm-hmm. on you know this, that, and other whatever fan website you post to. And, they, and when you're just running someone into a ground, it's not helpful. So what they really need is for you to write a well-constructed letter of the situation explaining what happens, what the problems were, so that they have a better understanding how to address the organizer. I've gotten a phone call before. We got a letter. Can you tell us what happened? And that's how things change and get better. So mm-hmm. you need to know there are avenues to go above the organizer. But the first thing they're going to ask you, did you talk to the organizer? And if you say no, well, you didn't try to resolve the issue on site and even give them a chance. Of course, they're still going to talk to the organizer, but you didn't give them a chance. But if you gave them the chance and you don't get results, write customer service. It's in your account. And they take those letters seriously, and they do address issues with us when things go right or wrong. hmm
0: that's important to know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. that does it for me. Um, all right, so I mean, I did question. have. I did, oh, uh, um, did want to know where my League Cup promo is, but that's all. <laughs> you know,
1: I got an email that said they were mailing them directly to all the players. You haven't got that yet?
0: Nope. Yeah.
1: I got an email saying they were going to handle emailing, mailing those to all the players through their trainer club account addresses, and I have a link to check on the progress. It's going well. <laughs> no one's gotten
0: them. <laughs> We're all in the same boat. Yeah, you're oh. all
1: swimming in the same boat. Oh man, it's been a little bit chaotic on that end for league supplies, league promos, getting stuff out. It's been problematic. Oh, you man. might. Get them. So we need to send support tickets, is what you're saying. That's what a lot of people have started doing at this point. I said I got an email stating this. I don't know what you, you write customer service and support tickets. We're not getting our supplies and eventually they'll, they'll do it. It's the warehouse's fault. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> the standard thing is who can I pass the buck to next? It's like any other organization. Let me see. I was in charge of the league cup. I dropped the boat. This happens, so who can I pass it on to? And then next thing you know, the guy sweeping the floor in the warehouse, suddenly got all the blame, the league promos didn't go out, and he was the janitor who cleaned the bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's how far it can go down the level of the ranks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Batch, I'll throw it to
1: you for the last question. Okay,
2: last question. This is the big one. Uh, What's your favorite Pokemon?
1: Blastoise. Always has Oh, Blastoise. why is that? <laughs> His cannons just look amazing, even though my tattoo is Mewtwo because it looked cooler. Blastoise, he just looks badass. I just have okay, no nice. idea why. I've always been fascinated with him. What is your opinion on Mega Blastoise? Hey, he's, he's all right. I still just like the Blastoise the okay. with the double cannons. It just has that – I don't know. It just always has appeal to me. The one right. cannon is quite as nice.
2: This <laughs> is <laughs> so wrist cannons. you know, You punch people in the face. I had to to go there. Um, All right. Uh, So that's it then. Uh, Thank you very much for like – this has been wonderful. Um, It's been a blast listening to your stories and everything. Um, So thank you very much for doing that. Um, So I I think –
0: Because we still have her story of William Hung meeting her. Uh, (laughs) That was awesome. So we'll save that. We'll put a pin in it. We'll have Heidi back on again. Put a pin so, yes, absolutely. And, uh, save that story as a teaser for next time. <laughs> All
2: right. So uh,
0: excited to meet you. There's a big difference.
2: Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, so that's it for today. Um, I Social medias, we got Twitter. We're at Puckle Podcast. Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash Puckle Podcast. You can check us out on our subreddit, r slash Puckle Tumblr, which is PucklePodcast.tumblr.com. Um, you can re- leave us iTunes reviews, which we really like hearing. And if you want to support the show, you can go to our Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash/PuckoPodcast. Um, other than that, though, I think that's everything. So, uh, thank you once Pokemon again, Heidi.
0: Questions? Is, oh, we oh, we,
2: to... oh, we want to do Pokemon 15 questions. That's right. So is we'll do there... that
0: as a bonus. Let's do that as a bonus. <laughs> so you guys need to listen to the closing theme, and then you get Pokemon 15 questions from us. Exactly. <laughs> Alright, so uh,
2: I guess this one's in Saffron. We're or not Saffron, we're in uh, we're in Goldenrod. Goldenrod City. That's right, we're in Goldenrod today. Uh so in Goldenrod City it's uh do I say it now has fifteen questions. That's a good it's question. still closing time. Yeah, it's still closing time. And welcome to Pokemon 15 Questions. I get to play the part of you share today and ask the question. I don't think I've ever been able to do this, uh, <laughs> even on the live shows. So I'm pretty excited. So uh, as always, no computers, no uh, no looking things up, and you're not allowed to ask, or ask generation questions or uh, number questions, um, as far as I'm told. So, because I got yelled at last time, so that's how it's going to work. So uh, if you guys are ready, we're ready to go. I have a Pokemon all picked out. And let's see if we can stump, the, stump you guys at Pokemon 15 questions.
0: So we'll let Gator go first. All right. Is this Pokemon a part of an evolutionary line? Yes. So then it moves to Heidi. You can, just add, you can ask anything you like. Yeah. How would you narrow it down? So we know it's part of an evolutionary line, so it's not a Tauros. It's not a... Right.
1: Um, all see type? You can, yeah. Is it dual type? yes
0: is it the first stage of the evolutionary line by first stage are we talking like tcg terms or like no we are talking like like as a basic in, is it is it the basic or slash baby no
1: Start it down, like well, you can talk
0: out. Uh, we don't. Oh, okay. We're, not, we're not Yeah, we you're, can, allowed we start, you're allowed to talk. You're allowed to talk.
1: start talking? Like, how? Should we start talking? Like, start talking
0: like, like I color? think maybe you can ask. Like, what's like? Name one of the common types. Is that one of the duel? Is that
1: part of the duel? One of the common types. Yeah. So, like, maybe ask if it's like part water or. It, okay. So. yeah. Could, okay. Is it part water? No. No. Okay.
0: All right. Can this Pokemon be found in the Hoenn region?
2: Let me, let me look that up, because I don't know. Uh, I, I have it pulled up, thankfully. Let's see. Uh, where's the section on Bulbapedia where it tells you where to find it? You said in Hoenn, right? Yes. Um,
0: yes. So it's a dual type. It's not a basic. It's not a water. It's in Hoenn.
1: Should we ask if it's a stage one?
0: Is it a stage one? Yes. For like TCG terms, stage one. Yeah, and okay. TCG so, terms.
2: Yeah, I understand. She she knows middle, TCG way better than
0: me. So <laughs> the middle evolution in a set found in Hoenn, not Water type. Um, there's no a no, yeah, it's um fairy. There are there are some fairy ones because of Gen six being able to go back in there. Um, is this a Pokemon you can get as a starter? Uh, no.
2: And, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to break your Shira's rules, because you asked that question about Hoenn. Um, I'm going to say it's a Mirage Cave, just so you don't get too hung up on the Hoenn thing.
0: Okay. So it was in, so it's not necessarily a Gen 3 Pokemon, because Hoenn only Gen 3 until Gen 6. So since it's in a Mirage Cave, it could be... could be both. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: There's a lot of dual type. going to try
0: flying or normal? Sure.
1: Is it a flying Pokemon? Uh, no Ooh. is it a uh, normal type no
2: no flying water normal. That's i don't know how many right. questions we've done so far um,
0: uh i was i think that's seven okay i'll go with seven that's a good number <laughs> three. yeah there's three stages um it's a middle stage wait i didn't say three stages I said it was a... Is it, oh, I asked if it was a part of an evolutionary line. Yeah. Not three stages. Alright, so it's a...
1: So it could be... Okay, so yes does it have a third stage? Yeah, you could probably do that. Does it have a third stage? No.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Okay, so it's two-parter
0: dual type.
1: Hmm. Area
0: yeah, Grass. I think grass is a good one. Is it part grass type? No. <laughs> it's not grass, water, flying, or normal. That's like... Every
1: Pokemon. <laughs> is it fairy type? No. Is Fairy one of the types? No.
0: It is um, no. Okay. Um
2: I'll answer both those. you get it for free. <laughs> Ask it's height and wait, Then we can <laughs> <laughs> you get
1: it, you to um, <laughs> Is it bigger than one inch? No, just kidding.
0: <laughs> most of them are. Um let's see. <laughs> so it's the second stage of a two parter. So what do we have like? No, he that, said there
1: wasn't a third evolution.
0: That yeah, was a second stage of two or stage one of a two part. Okay. Um. So what do we have available to us? Uh, Psychic. So like Dark. Don Don Fan could be something because that's his two stage line and it's not any of those. We got. Um, Is Don
1: Fan a dual type
0: then? Don Fan's a dual type. It's a rock ground. That's true. That's true. Um. You got stuff like Steelix. Um. Who could probably be found there. Um, since we know it's not an evolutionary Pokemon, uh, like the, the evolutionary, like the, right. like starter, um, crap.
1: Can't be or any of that.
0: Nope. It can't be any of the pseudo legendaries.
1: Uh-huh. Um, let's well, just, let's well, find it. Let's just go. Should we try that? Try, try grounder.
0: Some... Yeah. Is this Pokemon a ground type? Yes okay all right you gotta hit <laughs> <laughs> all right so your question what are you gonna do oh. so we it's gotta it's a, what what two stage ground types are there like our stage one stage two so we got Donphan's one of them we got um steelix
1: steelix, um, steelix, on is one steelix. Of them.
0: um we got uh i think steelix is rock steel isn't it The when it evolves i think it's
1: rock steel yeah that would make sense because it's steel yeah so it's not a
0: ground type um, we got Golurk, um, cause that's a ghost ground. Yeah. Um, you want to ask if it's like a humanoid shaped Pokemon? Cause that would like narrow down. Is it a humanoid, human shaped? Like, okay.
1: Is it a human like shaped Pokemon? Mm, are you talking like the
2: Pokedex
0: thing or like, let me see. Like, does it have, does it stand on two legs and have two arms and a head? Yes, <laughs> it does. Okay. So it stands on two legs, it's two arms and a head.
1: Would what? that include babies for like hip on top and
0: stuff? No, because that's no, I don't think that counts because those aren't ground type. No, those are no both way. fighting. Those are fighting. Um it's not dust nor because that's a three stage now. Yeah. Um so ground has two stages. So what else is ground with two stages? Um it's not Graveler. It's not that line. It's not. Um, okay. It's not Don Fan because Don has got. It's on four feet. It's not two arms and two feet. Um, it's not. It might be. I mean, it still doesn't eliminate Golurk, so we can keep that one in the pocket. Um, uh, what else is dual stage? Um,
1: Surely they didn't go back and make those. No. Um,
0: like they can end up on the Mirage Island So it could be anything Um Should we ask if it's rock type a lot of things are ground rock Sure Is this Pokemon a rock type No Okay I'm feeling Perhaps I'm thinking Golurk Because Golurk is All those things It's two stage Want to ask if it's Ghost Okay Is it ghost type Nope. Oh, well, that's. We're getting close now. We've got like I think this is, I, think, I think you. Yeah, I'm going to give you two questions. That'd be nice. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's a ground type. It's two stage evolution. So it's got a basic and it's got an evolved form. It is not water. It's not ghost. It's not. Uh, fairy. Fairy. It's not uh, rock. Did we ask flying?
1: I think we did. We it asked flying. flying. It mm-hmm. was not. You did. It wasn't okay.
0: Fine. So the only type you know is ground, and we know it's dual. So ground. What else is there? What else is a two-stage ground Pokemon?
1: That looks like a human. That'd be human-shaped. Um, I just keep wanting to think, am on top of it?" <laughs> no, I know, they're I know. not ground.
0: They're not I ground. I know. I know.
1: <laughs> well, that's all that keeps coming to my head. <laughs>
0: and it's, we know it's not a Gen 7 Pokemon because it's found in Hoenn so those are all eliminated
1: Um back at Gen 3
0: wait he said it's not rock type um, I was going to say Sandslash um, but that's not rock so we got ground rock don't do Sandslash um, crap I don't think this one would be that rough but maybe it is
1: Huh? Marowak? Oh, that's a good one. He wears a skull on his head. Do you want to try, um, is it fighting type? Alright, is it fighting type? No.
0: What? <laughs> uh, so, I have, this has to be the, the Pokemon we guess. Um, so we have to guess a random Pokemon. That's, that's ground. You
1: don't think it'd be sand, it can be Sandslash?
0: Sandslash is part rock. It's ground rock.
1: Did you say it couldn't be Rock.
0: I mean, it can also be ground fire, but that Alolan Sandslash cannot be found, or no, Alolan Sandslash is ground ice, but it cannot be found in um, Hoenn because it's a Gen 7, and you can't find that Pokemon in Hoenn right now, because it's all exclusive to the Alola region. Um, so it's not ground fighting, not ground, ground. What the heck is there? I don't know. I'm trying to scan my brain. That's not our brain going off. That's
1: just- <laughs> <laughs> my work laptop's dying. Um-, um.
0: What's a good ground type? Somebody's at home screaming at their uh, radio. They're driving oh. in their car right now and they're just Orion oh, would be. They're just yelling and screaming at us because we're missing <laughs> the most obvious answer. Um It's so hard because ground usually paired With one of those types. Yeah. Um, Ground fires? Not anything really. Um, Jeez. I don't know. I think this is um, a ruse. Uh, A ruse.
1: (laughs) This is a Digimon we're
0: trying to guess here. Um, So ground. And one of those types is not it. So it's not Bunnelby because Bunnelby is ground normal.
1: But it stands on four legs, not on two. It stands
0: on two legs, not four.
1: Oh, yeah. When it, okay, yeah. Um,
0: but Doof is normal type, so oh, no.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm just trying to think of things that stand on two legs now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That one's hard. I'm
1: just trying to think of things besides Hitmon, Hitmonlee, and top that stand on two legs. <laughs>
0: Ground... <laughs> I don't, uh, do
1: you want to just do something
0: dumb? Like, what do we want to do? Um, oh, I like doing dumb things. Something yeah, like let's that. do something dumb.
1: Oh am I going to dumb things?
0: What is, like, I'm trying to think, like, the desert Pokemon. None of the ones I can think of, they're all, like, stage, they have stage two evolutions, so they're not, like, the second stage. Um...
1: Sure. When I play, you don't get it. Yeah, He's <laughs> uh, um, trying to make me look bad? <laughs> do
0: we, we want to just like say like we can say Marowak and just I don't know if is it, it Marowak part? It's I think it's Fighting Ground. I'm pretty sure it might just be great. It might be it's not ground. If it's ground rock, then we're wrong too. So Let's like, just say it, Marowak. No, un- no, it's not Marowak. What it's was actually
2: it? Excadrill. <laughs> Excadrill. Oh, He's ground steel. Sense. Ground steel. And I mean, he stands on his two legs and everything. I Excadrill. Even have a plushy
1: of him in the room.
2: Ah, uh, we lost. It's okay. okay. You can go home with participation trophies. <laughs> but That's it for today, guys. So uh, we'll catch Jushiro back on the next TCG cast. All
0: right, bye. 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 <laughs>